Welcome everybody back to Inspector Toolbelt Talk. We have a special guest today. We have Nick Gramico of Internashi. Hey Nick, how are you? Real well. Thanks for having me on. Oh man, it's it's our pleasure. I don't do many interviews. You know? No? No, I don't go on stage. If you've ever seen me in any of these big events or something, I go on stage for two minutes at most. Well, we feel privileged. Don't do any podcasts. But you did a nice podcast with my brother, so you said, <laughs> said I should come on, that I'm safe here. <laughs> Okay, you're in a safe space, Nick. I'm making too safe. You're gonna bore everybody. <laughs> oh no, you said you wanted hard-hitting questions, so we're gonna yeah, we're gonna light up. Yeah. Can hit as hard as you want, personal <laughs> or business. Well, we do feel privileged to have you on because I did a, I did a quick search. I'm like, I've never heard Nick on a podcast before. No, I don't do any inter interviews. Oh wow! I mean, so... for, really, for two reasons. One, I I feel like I have the personality of a cinder block, so I'm not that <laughs> interesting. And second of all, you know, I let some foul language fly every now and then. And I don't think anybody really wants to hear a boring person swear. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I just don't. I just don't do interviews. So I let my brother do it. He's, my brother is much better face for the, for Internachi than I am. Well, I did learn some interesting stuff about you from Ben in our interview and before and after when we were just chatting. Uh -oh. I, I I learned that you, if you listened to the podcast last week, you got your introduction to the home inspection industry from a guy on a Harley that was looking at your job site. Oh, yeah. My brother and I were building houses, and he was a bank inspector. And so that's how I, I thought that I was going to do that, try to become an inspector. But, you know, we didn't have a trade association back then. This is, oh, my goodness, this is, you know, what is it, 19, late 1980s. That's what led to Internachi, us, you know be one of the few industries that didn't have a trade association at the time. So we built that. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I mean, some other things that I learned about you, you got a rate on business. And if I remember right, I remember a story you told that you actually had a pool business too, like you installed pools for people. Is that correct? I was when I was a kid. So I was wealthy at a young age. I started a company called The Pool People, basically. What I did was back in those days, Kmart, used to sell you a whole above ground pool with a filter and everything for $139. Um, this is really back in the day and I was still in high school. And so I, you know, I bought one and I put one up for myself. And just as a kid, it's like, I must've been 16. And um, I lived in a, a Ryan home plan. So there were, you know, 1500 other homes with families and kids. And so once I put mine up, the neighbor wanted one and then after that another neighbor and so i started putting them in for 500 dollars. i mean put the sand down and all that and install them and plug them in and it was a great business because people would you know jump in a pool and shake your hand and they were happy at the end of the of the day and i was in fact i hired my teachers to help me install them so i was making crazy money you know and then uh i bought a new car with cash there was a there was a really nice car for sale and uh, it was the owner of the dealers car he left in the showroom and I tried to go buy it and I was only 17 at the time and the salesman said well you know kid you know you can't afford this car and first of all and that's the owner's car he just leaves it in the showroom just because it's really nice and uh I pulled out a pile of hundred dollar bills and he said hold <laughs> on he, he got on the phone and said kid you bought yourself a car so I was doing pretty well and my my mom and dad were both teachers and we we're eating dinner and we never really discussed money or anything and, and my mom asked me well how much how much did you make this year? You know, and I told them I didn't know how much money they made, and I knew by the looks on their face that I, and it turned out I made more than both of them combined. And uh, after I saw their their expression on their faces while I was eating dinner, 
Um, and that was it. I, I quit high school. So. And what grade did you quit high school in, Nick? In 12th. So okay. yeah, I, I knew that business was for me. So Well, we were kind of bonding on that a little bit before the program. Yeah, you're, I beat you. Yeah. You, you, out. you dropped out in ninth grade, right? Yeah, I didn't make it. Well, I made it partway through the ninth grade, but afterwards I'm like, man, this is lame. <laughs> Who needs this? I made it partway through my 12th grade, but you passed me up then. You wouldn't got a GED. Oh, that's true. When I was 21, I went back and got my GED. All right, so you win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still high school dropout. <laughs> you got to go back and get it now. So that'll no. be that'll be our next podcast. How'd your GED you go? To learn to read and all that stuff. You know what <laughs> I mean? Twenty six letters all jumbled up for each word. I mean, who's going to do that? Yeah, who, who needs that? <laughs> no, I'm not going to learn to read. Oh, okay. Well enough to pass a GED anyway. I'm okay, you know. <laughs> and then you, you have a wife who speaks five languages or four or something like that. She speaks six: uh, Russian, Ukrainian, German, Spanish. They're odd. Uh, English, of course. Um, she speaks some Arabic and Italian. So oh. she has seven-year linguistics degree. She has two uh, business, international business degrees, and she has an MBA from uh, the U.S. So, um, yeah, we're a little bit opposite in that way. Hey, it works, though. And then you guys own the uh, beautiful butt company? Yeah, she owns a cosmetic company, which I help her run. Um, so, you know, a mask for your face. Um, she has one for acne on the back end of your <laughs> She sells them in um, bikini boutiques in Florida and California. You know, when when a woman's trying on a bikini, looking in the mirror, she's not actually looking at the bikini. She's looking at her back end to see how it looks in the bikini. So uh, it's a, you know, it's basically an, an acne uh, cosmetic prob, uh, product for your for your bottom. You know, beauty starts at the bottom. I always say. So. <laughs> And we own okay. about 14 other companies so we're in everything from you know a cosmetic company to a, to a bridge company to construction to you know all the organizations i run too so you've got hands in a lot of things it's fun yeah i think we're going to skip the rest of the podcast and talk more about the beautiful butt thing because that sounds like an interesting concept yeah I mean, was, <laughs> when i were when we were building the house of horrors uh too in florida we had, uh she and i moved down there to build that and you know, we'd go to the beach a lot and we, and, to, and she likes to go to the bikini shops and she certainly has the, the body for it. But I noticed they're all just they're looking at these mirrors and I said, well, we have to get into some product that could be sold in the bikini boutique shops. And uh, we came up with that and it, it was a hit, you know, <laughs> you are, if anything, multifaceted, Nick, <laughs> well, I'm just bored. I got a, you know, ADD maybe, I don't know. I, you know, I, I focus on things to get things done. Whereas our CEO, Chris Morrell, he truly has ADD. He just jumps from one thing to the other, but has trouble crossing the finish line. And I'm usually the guy who has to go. I'm usually the running back in the, you know, on the fourth down has to get in there and get it, the ball into the end zone for him. And I didn't realize this before the program. You were talking about Chris Morrell. You met him when he was 15. Yeah. He's only 39 and the CEO of Internashi, right? Right. He's maybe 40 um, right now, I think. Yeah. So uh, he's been working. He's for us since he was 15. You know, he was webmaster at 16. He was head of IT by 18, and he was CEO by age 30. Wow. Um, we were one time negotiating a big deal in a um, with a big Fortune 100 company, and he was in negotiating it with me. And the uh, the members of the opposition, I guess you could call them, they asked him, well, you know, they asked Chris Morrell. They were pretty impressed with him. He's a pretty impressive guy. They asked him, well, what did you do, uh, you know, before you worked at Internachi? And he said, uh, well... 
nothing, you know? <laughs> like, well, what, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I've been working there since I was 15. So, you know, delivering papers, I guess. I don't know. Newspapers, <laughs> I don't know. So he only worked one place, and that's actually a big advantage to us. We work really well together. We're very different. I'm fat. He's skinny. I'm, you know, he's tall. He's very liberal. liberal. I'm a little bit right-wing, so we get along really well, though. We've never had a fight. Anytime we have a disagreement, we argue for a while, try to break it down into to a math problem. And then if the math problem doesn't result in us both agreeing on, which it should, on, on what to do, then um, whatever he says goes. <laughs> He's CEO, I'm not. <laughs> Brother's COO. He's, uh, he operates internet. He runs all the human resources, all the employees and all the... They both have dual jobs. So my brother has a COO and he's head of education for the university. And then Chris is head of IT department. It's a massive website, 280,000 pages long. That's ginormous. Right now, you know, 35 million unique visitors a year. So it's a, you know, one of the largest, most interactive websites in the world. I think our message board now has 2.6 million posts on it. Mm-hmm. And all that education, um, it's all tied up you know, and interactive with and working with everything else that Internachi is doing. And we've sort of become a conglomerate since then. And so he has a lot on his plate at being head of IT. And then he's our CEO, Chris is. And then between Ben and Chris, um, the two of them got it going on, really. You know, they run a good ship, I would say. And I just try to stay out of their way. Well, I have to say, what is it? Uh, 31,000 approximately home inspectors in North America. And the vast majority of them. Like 95% or more of the home inspectors are international members. Hold on. I'm going to tell you what they are right now, just for fun. That's a good thing you brought that up. Um, yeah, let's take a look. We publish it in live time at nachi.org slash nachi-stats. So there's 30,000 and 39 uh, members as of right this sec. Wow. And that's in live time. Again, the site is amazing, you know. Um, from that page, uh, nachi.org slash nachi dash uh, stats, there's a map there. And if you put your cursor on it, you can actually zoom down onto North America, closer and closer and closer, and um, zoom right in onto the ground to see where all our members are. Most people don't know that that is a, a zoomable map. I don't know if that's a word or not, but it's yeah. pretty cool. And it's all done in live time. Just an example of how you know advanced our website is that... Um, that we built. Yeah, and we'll put a link to that in the uh, transcription of this podcast so everybody can find it and use that zoomable map. But I would yeah. I would definitely say that those numbers uh, indicate that you guys are not a authority, you're the authority in the home inspection community. Well, you know, proof in a pudding, you can always trick somebody into joining Internachi for a year. Um, <laughs> you get me in front of them, you know, a good salesman in front of somebody, I can trick them into joining Internachi and sucker them into it for a year. But what I can't do is I can't get them to renew after they understand what Internachi is and the benefits it has to them. And that's where we really shine. We, I think we have the highest renewal rate of any trade association in all of human history in any industry. I mean, there's only 11 inspectors who quit Internachi and still stayed in the in- inspection business. Oh, wow. That's absurd. <laughs> so basically, join, I mean, unless you die, sell or quit the business or whatever, you know, which is which happens all the time, but um, you're you're gonna stay with Internachi throughout your career. It's yeah. that good. Yeah, resistance is futile. Yep, it is futile. Resistance is futile. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you also a Star Trek fan, then, Nick? No, um, no. I just like that when we were young and um, starting out, um, 
you know, a, a lot of people predicted our demise quickly. And I said, no, we're going to get the bulk of the industry. I predicted we would have half of it, like NAR. Uh, National Association of Realtors has about half of all real estate agents. I predicted we would have half half of all home inspectors. And it uh, turns out I was wrong. We have basically all of them. So there is no, I don't find any resistance anymore. I mean, people join us because they they really benefit from it. We make them money. You know, they may not like me. There's a lot of people don't like me. It's okay. But when um, you help a man feed his family, there, there's always a part of him that likes you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And puts up with the rest of the year. So um, I think that's what's going on. Yeah. Well, I like you. So <laughs> that'll, work, that'll work for this podcast anyways. You're doing good work for the industry too, by the way. You know, you get a lot of compliments. Every, anytime I hear your name, it's always, you know, associated with a compliment. Oh, you, so, you know. oh thanks. I didn't realize people talked about me. That's good yeah, to know. I can't say that about me, but I can <laughs> say that about you. <laughs> oh, I could totally say that about you. But thank you anyways, Nick. But right. I think that's a good lead in for our subject here because, uh, what a lot of people are asking is, what does Internashi plan to do about the takeover of our industry? And I guess that kind of comes down to when Internashi took over, you guys took over with the intent of helping inspectors. I've benefited from it. I guess the takeover of our industry is a perception that our industry has of itself. Porch has bought quite a bit of the industry vendors, which now has its hands in different parts of our industry. AmFam owns HomeGage. And some other things have been happening. Is that a perception or a reality, do you think, Nick? No, it's a reality. I guess it kind of comes down to I'm the head of my household, so to speak, and I take care of my family. Some other person tries to come in, take the house, take the money, and not necessarily take care of the family. And I think that's the worry of our industry. I mean, that's the problem with me answering the question, right? You know, I'm throwing stones from a glass house, I suppose, you know, I mean... I popped up a page of some of the stuff we're into, so I should probably disclo- disclose a few things yeah. <laughs> before before I answer your question. One, you know, Internachi is is like is now a conglomerate, right? It's a global conglomerate. We you know took over Spree, I think we took over Nahi. You know, Tapria was a was a friendly takeover in Texas, the largest Texas association. We own the Contractors Association. I just formed IREP, which I'm going to go up against NAR, I think, yeah. um, this year. That looks awesome, um, by the way. We have a, we own Elite, so we own the, the largest book in E&O insurance. We own CCPIA, which is the, the, the commercial association, IEC2, which is indoor air, Cozy Codes for Kids, which is basically solely supported by the inspection industry. We have the, the Will Buy, Buy Your Home Back Guarantee. Inspector Outlet, as you know, is, is in our domain. Inspector Media, unfortunately, my... Uh, my son, who owned it, uh, passed away and, and, and willed it to me. Um, Very sorry about that, by the way. Print, print division, you know, print materials. We own Galahad, which no, most people don't know, but it's a software development company that just works on inspection problems. And um, Fast Sites for You is, is, you know, is one of Ben's companies. Bizvelop is ours. That's a, that's a company that we own. Nachi TV is our, you know, we've had that since before YouTube. Um, we have oversee it. We have a member marketing department. We have the scholarships. We have, you know, the books we publish. I think we published 40 inspection textbooks. And, you know, I wrote a couple of business books or a few of those. And um, we covertly, um, you know, secretly have interests in a lot of the companies in our industry, a lot of the vendors. We don't have anything. We don't own you, I should say. <laughs> not any part of you, but we would love to. I mean, if you ever want to sell. <laughs> Give me a call and we will buy a part of you. We would like to own, we like to own, um, you know, we have investments in the 
in the vendors in our industry. Um, the Inspector Museum I set up, we have that. We have MICB, which is, you know, Certified Master Inspector. I'm probably forgetting a, a, a lot of it, but, um, you know, it's hard for me to answer a question about, um, you know, takeover of our industry when I think, you know, it's, it's mostly a criticism that, you know, that's valid of this internet conglomerate, right? I mean, I'm just trying to do my best, I think. So I don't really look at it as like Porch taking over or AmFam taking over and me trying to play defense against them. It's not like, that's not how I see the, the chessboard. Mm -hmm. I look at it as a race, right? So I'm trying to gather up or build, buy, or take over as much of the industries I can for the for our inspectors. And I have a long, close to 30 year history of helping inspectors, not not anything else. And so I think the inspectors trust me to do that, but I'm kind of in a race with these large corporations who are also trying to, you know, gobble us up, so to speak. Um, yeah. We'll say that I'm, I'm, you know, without a doubt, um, I'm winning that race. So, I mean, I have way more assets in the industry than, than they do. And um, they're not buying them for inspectors. I mean, right. you know, AmFam doesn't buy a software company to sell software and Porch doesn't buy a, you know, a call center to book inspections. I mean, these are, you know, they have, uh, you know, disclosed and admittedly, you know, other motives. Right. You know, they're trying to help their corporations, right? And that's their job, right? I mean, I think Matt's uh, porch is, you know, he's running a public company. So mm -hmm. he has a fiduciary duty, a legal duty to his stockholders. It's not doing so well right now, but he has a, he has a legal duty to make them money, right? Yeah. And so he has to do what's best for them. He's not here to, to help us unless it, unless it also helps them. I mean, there's, it sounds terrible, but there's no shame in that, right? They're mm -hmm. not me. AmFam and Porch, and, and um, I think there's a, a private equity firm bought Carson Dunlop. Mm -hmm. Somebody bought AHIT. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're all just getting gobbled up, right? right. A, America's call centers over at Porch now. Palm Tech's over at Porch. I think Nathan Thornberry's over at Porch. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, they're they're, gra they're grabbing some of our of our industry vendors. No, there's no doubt. But I don't criticize them for not being me. They're they're being what they should do. They have their own stockholders and things that they have to help Yeah, by law. And that's kind of, I guess what I was trying to say, but maybe not very clearly is Internashi, when you guys take over, so to speak, part of the industry, it's the help like Nahi or when you have IAC2 or when you have CCPIA, that's the help inspectors. Everything I think is very helpful. We as home inspectors are your, are your stockholders that you're helping and we appreciate it, Yeah, but they have a different agenda. They have a different agenda, right? You know, and in my for-profit companies, you know, my sole goal in my for if I can put myself in their shoes, so to speak, my, you know, my sole goal in my for-profit companies, my, you know, a bridge company, construction company is to make me money. So, but that, um, so I can understand that that's what, and we should understand that that's what, you know, they're not evil. They're just doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, you know, I'm in a different situation because Internet is a, you know, a, a nonprofit tax exempt org, which I've spent my entire lifetime helping home inspectors. So when a home inspector gives me, you know, $499 in a way, if you could look at it, a lot of people say they give it to me. They don't have to give it to Internachi, of course. But, you know, when I go to sleep at night and I'm on my pillow, you know, I don't want to ever feel like, you know, some guy who, you know, worked hard for that $499 and entrusted me with it. Cause that's basically what they're doing when they paid their dues, right? They entrusted me and the Internachi staff to produce more for them 
than the $499 they sent us. And I always want to make sure that I'm really proud that I uh, gave them back way more than $499 and then I can go to sleep, you know, because I would never want to be in a situation like, well, you take like Matt at Porch, you know, where, where people are, in, you know, are investing in his company, they're stockholders, you know, it, it would be hard for me to sleep because, you know, I'm not, I'm not convinced hundred percent that I could get them a return on their investment. But with Internachi, I am 100% convinced that I have, you know, over the years, year after year, you know, I have 34 employees at Internachi. They wake up tomorrow, they wake up the next day and they, they work eight hours on trying to help Internachi members. And uh, Friday they'll do that. And then they come back Monday and do it again. I mean, I'm definitely convinced that when you entrust us with your $499, that we uh, provide a great return for you. And so that's my goal, and, but it's not, not one of these other big corporations' goal. And nothing wrong with that, what they're doing. Right. Yeah, from a business standpoint, that's, that's their goal. Don't get me wrong. It sucks for us. Oh, yeah. But it's not because they're evil or doing anything wrong. Right. Everybody serves somebody <laughs> yeah. in this world, and they just don't serve us. So I guess that's um, the illustration I use. The, that's the problem is sometimes we as home inspectors feel like coal miners. So a coal miner, when they first started digging for coal, you'd have these small little companies. They they dig for coal. Everybody would kind of make out a living and they dig out that valuable material. For us, the coal is consumer data. That's what everybody wants from us. We have access to consumer data that they can use to make a profit off of. So now we owe money to the company store, we feel like. We dig out this valuable data and somebody else gets it. I guess that's a lot of us feel like coal miners as home inspectors is the perception that we have. That these big companies, like, like as we think about it, ISN, they have their fingers still in a large portion of our industry. Next inspect, call centers, um, at least a couple of different software companies. There's a large portion of our industry that large corporations can now to one extent or another, small or large, determine the course of how our industry goes. So why are you upset about that? Is it A, that they um, are taking our clients' personal data and using it? Or is it B, that um, we're coal miners that aren't getting paid for it? I think I'm trying to speak for the community, the home inspection community, and that's probably a dangerous thing for me to do. But I think it's a, a little bit of both that a home inspectors feel. Some inspectors are like, I don't want anybody to have my data. Me personally, I'm like, man, everybody has my data. Google has my data. I can't walk past a Google phone without Google learning my whereabouts, who I am, facial recognition, voice recognition. There's all that stuff happening. To me, that part doesn't bother me because there's so much data out there. But the fact that bothers me personally is, yeah, we're coal miners, not making money off of the coal. We're just getting paid our wage. We we dig out that information. We market. We work hard. We get our clients something. And to be perfectly frank, our fees are too low as home inspectors. They give us a small fee. And now this larger organization is making money off of what we worked hard to get. They also kind of tend to determine a little bit, and the perception is, the path of our industry. Like even the whole data thing wasn't really talked about 10 years ago when Porch bought ISN, it got talked about quite a bit more. So it has kind of changed our industry just a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we, I mean, we give up that data freely. So mm -hmm. it's not like we, um, or we trade it for stuff, right? We trade our data for services that ISN provides. So who's really releasing the data? I mean, um, it's inspectors. Inspectors sell or trade their customers' data all day long. So 
I mean, who, if, if that's the issue, then, you know, we have to point to ourselves, not to uh, somebody who's willing to offer us something in return for that data. And once they have it and they've given us something in return for it, it's theirs. And then we probably shouldn't complain about how they use it either, right? I mean, Chris Morell once said something pretty good, which is that, you know, I was complaining that Facebook deleted some of my stuff or something. He goes, you know, he doesn't go on Facebook. <laughs> he says, uh, he doesn't have a Facebook account. And uh, he said, uh, you know, Facebook doesn't have any power that we don't give them. That's true. You know, so, I mean, they can't take away your, they can't block your post unless you made it, the post, and gave it to them and put it on their platform. So it's the same thing, I think, with data. You know, we give it away to these companies or trade it or sell it. Yeah. And so that's really us that we should be, be complaining about, you know. Gotcha. And that, that does make make sense because a lot of these are opt-in programs. Yeah. Like, hey, we'll pay for your international buyback or we'll pay for your dues here right. or something. And, you know, you allow us to contact your clients afterward. And you might want to look at who, you know, I wouldn't give the data to everybody. So maybe you should be, should think about where, who you're trading it to or selling it to, right? So, you know, you take Internachi, for example, you know, with, um, the amount of traffic we get, one thing you won't find on the Internachi website is even a banner ad, right? We've mm -hmm. never sold any advertising at Internachi. You can go to our message board, there's no pop-up ads, there's no banner ads, there's nothing. We never took a dollar in advertising, even though we're offered, you know, millions of dollars. We could have milked it for how much? I remember Home Advisor years ago offered you guys money to advertise, right? It was insane amount. They brought their VP in for two days. It would have ended up being $190 million over 10 years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so 19 million was more than our entire conglomerate was bringing in gross at the time. And, you know, when it was done, it's very tempting, right? So, but at the end, we said no, because I think we always wear a home inspector's hat. If we treat home inspectors like God, like gods almost, you know, they, everything they want, let's get it for them and don't do anything to harm them. Treat them almost like, kind of like gods. Then we also have to turn down all that advertising money. I do respect that. Well, I think inspectors have to do the same thing. They have to think about who they're giving their, their money to. You know, they give it to Internachi, they're safe. I'm not going to harm them. And uh, if they come to Internachi's website and they see us talking about a vendor or a product or a service, again, they, they can be pretty assured that we're speaking from the heart and not because someone is offering us thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in advertising fees. I've never taken a penny. Even all these deals I cut for members, and you can, you know, inspectors inspect for a living, so they're going to find it out anyway. You know, I've never taken a penny on any of these deals. You know, I don't get any money off Ford. I don't, you know, I don't get any, any money off Owens Corning. I've done great deals with all these for, it all goes to the international members. And um, I think they know that by now, so they trust me, but maybe they should think about who else they trust. I'm okay with Porch, and I'm very, very much okay with HomeGage and, and AmFam. Mm -hmm. They're a mutual company. I find them to be very honorable in dealing with them. So I don't feel that, you know, I don't feel that threatened by American family insurance and, um, porch, I know what they are, you know? So again, it doesn't frighten me too much. I know what they're trying to do. They're not trying to become internet. So right. they're not trying to harm inspectors or industry. They're trying to make money. Right. So I guess, um, if I could sum up in my, my own mind, what international plans on doing about the quote unquote perceived takeover of our industry is a race is to win that race to beat out all these other corporations i'm, I'm already winning and i'm, I'm <laughs> them over and over and over i mean i have everything that my members want or need 
and you know, there, and there's still vendors that are providing you, you for example, that are providing great services. So I don't need to go in the, into those spaces. You know, I have the best soft, I have the best reporting software on earth in Internet. We won't release it because right now we have enough software vendors out there. They're hmm. doing a good job. They're doing a good job in, in support, and um, I don't need to release uh, software. Take on you know more more support staff, you know, because it'll be very popular for a number of reasons. One, it's great. <laughs> Two, it's Internachi, so we have all the inspectors anyway. And three, it would, you know, it would come with that four-letter F word that I like so much. <laughs> free, <laughs> you know. And so it would be, it would be immediately be number one, but I'm not going to do that, you know. There's hmm. some things I need to do because the industry's doing an okay job. So certainly if all of our software vendors got bought up and were um, became garbage, Right. Mm-hmm. And inspectors were saying, we just don't have reporting software. Yes, I would go into it. That happened with insurance, by the way. Hmm. So with no insurance, you know, because, you know, insurance really wasn't, we didn't have it in our industry. We're, I'm the only insurance company in the industry. We have the only one. Everybody else is just a schlepping another underwriter's product. I'm the underwriter. Mm-hmm. So if you were to get sued right now and you had Internet's insurance and you wanted to talk to the underwriter, well, you can't from any other of the insurance companies. They're in New York somewhere wearing a three-piece suit and they'll sell you, they'll just, you know, they'll just uh, settle for your de- deductible and call it a day. Well, uh, that doesn't happen with, that's why I had to go into the insurance business because we didn't have an insurance, an actual insurance company. We just had insurance salespeople and companies that sold other people's products and were beholden to those underwriters. Hmm. You don't have that anymore. You can just call me on a phone. My phone number's published. And if you have a problem, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna settle. I'm gonna fight for you. As you know, I'm pretty good at winning in court. I just want another <laughs> seven year war with a patent troll trying to stop us from using uh, infrared cameras. Yeah, th- I've been following that. That was an interesting one. It was one. scary because I lost, you know, the first one. The first time I, you know, they sued me and I lost. I lost in, in a court in Mississippi. I lost six hundred some thousand dollar judgment, you know. Mm. And in Mississippi, the way it works is if you want to appeal that six hundred thousand dollar judgment, you have to put up one point two five percent of the entire judgment oh, wow. and give it to the court. So international went to go get a bond, and it's like twenty, you know, twenty twenty five percent. You know, you lose the bond even if you win, right? You know, the bond's gone. Mm-hmm. That one hundred thousand dollars is gone. So I just put up the whole. appealed, went back in and I won. I won, uh, you know, unanimous uh, uh, win. Nice. So that was nice. Got all my money back. And then uh, my lawyers just recently got all my interest back, 20 some thousand dollars on the money. It sat in there for a couple of years. Wow. So I like to fight. So I'm going to fight for you um, because, you know, insurance is a, is a terrible thing because if, let's say someone sues you over a purple kitchen or some nonsense bullcrap lawsuit, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're in a state that, that requires E&O insurance, which a lot of states are, and you get a couple of those, they share that data. They, they tell every other insurance company that you've had claims. Even though those claims weren't, had no merit, they, it still blemishes your claim history, right? Mm-hmm. So you get a couple of them and your, your rates go up on your premiums or you can't buy insurance at all. You're out of business. Either you can't afford it or you can't get it. You're out of business because the law makes you buy E&O insurance. The law makes you go to a private company, right, and b- purchase their product. So hmm. it's, it was really important that we started our own air and emissions insurance company so that inspectors who get unlucky, like a great inspector, all of a sudden, I am going to be sued for, you know, 20 years. All of a sudden, he gets two lawsuits in one week. We had yeah. that, you know what I mean? 
Both of them had no merit. It was ridiculous lawsuits. Had I just settled both of those, he would look like to every other insurance company like a bozo that shouldn't be that they shouldn't pick up. Mm-hmm. And he may have lost his career. So, I mean, I went into the in, you know insurance business because we had to. We didn't have a company in the industry, but we have software companies, and I think they're doing okay. So I'm staying out of it. So I uh, I find that very interesting. It's going to keep us as software companies on our toes. Say, hey, if we don't we don't keep up the level, <laughs> Nick is going to release the world's greatest home inspection well, software. It's know. not so bad. I mean, I think it's very it's very it's very good that there's competition and that there's it's very good that people are, who are providing a product. I mean, Internet actually provides a zillion products and services. That the people from providing it are trying to do the the very best they can relative to all the competitors. They want to be the they want to be number one. Everybody should be trying to be number one. Mm-hmm. And whoever loses, inspectors win. That's actually a good point. And if Internachi loses on something, that's fine. I mean, it, I mean, we've already lost the software race in the sense that I'm not even going to go into it. I'm just so pleased that the competitors are doing such a good job. You know, you're doing such a great job. Thank you. I don't see any reason to ever, you know, there's no need for me to go in there. It doesn't help the inspectors at all. I, I like to, you know, fill holes. I don't, there's no hole in, in the software business. I mean, now if they all get gobbled up and you get, you know, some private, you know, hedge fund comes in and buys you and every other software company. And um, then, then, then maybe I have to come in, but I don't need to do that right now. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because there's two other aspects of the inspection industry that, I personally anyways worry about. So we were actually approached by a venture capital firm. Yeah. So they came to us and the gentleman that we talked to, they were doing exploratory measures saying, we're like, eh, this really isn't our thing. You know, they, they institute a board, give you all this right. money. Actually, one of the companies they invested in, they're an inter- international company, but they invested in a an, another inspection software just down the road from me in, in my state. But they do... A different type of inspection industry but that's what they specialize in they knew a lot about our industry they've been talking to vendors because the things they were asking and the points they knew so that got me thinking i'm like okay so venture capital firm invests in a company you typically won't really work won't really know about that but now you have a software company that's being dictated by a board to say, hey, we need this, we need to grow it doesn't matter what the user says it's going to be user churn we need to look at the bottom line that affects the inspection industry. It's really kind of hard to be able to measure things like capital, venture capital firms. Yeah. Um, so luckily, um, we have enough software vendors that are under, aren't under any outside influence mm-hmm. at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know. Nope, no outside influence. <laughs> like Tor is still hanging in there. I don't know how long they'll outline. Dominic, I mean, there's a lot of software out there. I mean, I think HomeGage really in a way is still doing well because they don't have any nefarious purposes that I can see. And I'm not saying that every venture capital company is going to be, or hedge fund is going to be evil, but it, it, it's a different perspective, you know? Right. And remember, home inspectors can, I mean, a lot of them can almost make their own software. Sometimes we have to talk them out of doing it, right? They think that they can <laughs> take, a, take a digital <laughs> camera and a Word document and they're, you know... Until they start writing reports, and the reports take them three hours to generate, and then they yeah. think, "Well, maybe I should get some software, right?" It's, yeah, it's not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> not as easy as it sounds. It looks easy, but uh, you oh. know, it's just like forming a trade association. I mean, how many, how many, how many trade associations? Hey, we'll just, you know, we'll send everybody a dues. 
and uh. voice and we'll compete right up there with internet it's not as easy you know making it look easy is one thing but the actually being easy is not so hard yeah. easy to do i mean look at your software your software is known for um cutting down the time it takes to generate a report I yeah i'd say we number one at that right oh yeah. yeah to the point where like you're studying like how few clicks it takes to get something done can i remove a click can i can i shorten the distance between the finger i have to push here and the finger I have to push there. Yeah. you're trying to get it down so that it, down so that an inspector can really say when over a career could probably save a year off their life right i mean because yeah. when you add it up i mean it's like it's a tremendous amount of time inspectors spend generating reports so i think you're going to do i mean your biggest problem now is that inspectors are you know old dogs that want, don't want to learn new tricks so if they're already using software that they're comfortable with they don't want to take out the two days of their life to learn your software mm -hmm. but you have to keep reminding them that that you know they're trading two days for two years yeah that's a good trade right because over a career you could spend two years writing software yeah. i mean on uh, generating uh reports yeah and that's a that's a lot of time i mean human beings don't live that and um, i appreciate you saying that because we're you know everybody likes to say hey we're the fastest we're actually the fastest measurably we can actually measure by how many taps on your phone and we have the least amount of taps on your phone of any software out there and we can we right. can physically measure how much less time it takes you and some inspectors don't actually it's odd you know because it's their time they don't actually calculate their time at all in their business so they think that if they're spending you know three hours generating an inspection report that because they did it themselves it didn't cost them anything mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is just you know because we're we have so many inspectors in the inspection business instead of businessmen who happen to be in the inspection business mm -hmm. that they can't sometimes see the value of saving time it's an odd thing right so yeah so it's not time for you, but you have a great product. So I think you'll do well. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to start figuring out how many, <laughs> how many clicks I can reduce. <laughs> it's not my thing. You know? I'll send you an infographic because you actually gave us a suggestion to make an infographic. So we'll make one for you. So <laughs> to show the right. a number right. of clicks. I mean, you should probably have some data to back it up too. So it's not just like blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You probably, you know, you could probably calculate it for, you know, inspectors doing 250 inspections a year or whatever, you know, and you're saving them 40 minutes, add it all up over a you know, 10 year career and see what that comes out to be. I'm, you know, when I said a year, it's probably, probably, I haven't done the math, but it's, it's certainly months of time. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. We have, we have the data. It's just presenting it in an infographic. So that's a fantastic idea that we're actually going to do. I do have another question though, about our industry. Remember years ago, Nick, when, the management companies kind of took over the appraisal industry. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that could happen with companies? And I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying anybody's bad actually out of any of this, but like in companies like Inspectify, and there's a couple of smaller companies out there that are doing something similar. Do you think that is paving the way for management companies to do the same thing to inspectors? No, no, no. it's just because it's too localized. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons I can't do, you know, I can do a home inspection here, but I can't do one even 50 miles away, not just because of the distance. It's because of, um, I can't get the marketing going in that area, right? Mm -hmm. Um, real estate agents, buyers and everything where you live matters. It's hard to nationalize stuff like that. It's very difficult. Some people try, right? Mm -hmm. They've been trying for years. I mean, think about Angie's list and I mean, the ones who try to do contracting porch, 
what's that other big company? I can't remember. They're down the road from me in Golden, Colorado. Uh, in the Home Advisor, which are yeah. well, they're, they're Angie anyways now. So or Service Magic or something before that. I mean, there's a lot of effort being put into trying to commoditize uh, and you know take over contracting or repairs, right? Small repairs and things like that. No one's been able to succeed at doing it. It's very difficult. First of all, you know, uh, well, if you ask my dad, right, he's in his 80s, right? Hey, dad, if you were to have a, a, a leak in your sink underneath your kitchen, okay, who are you going to call? He's not going to say home advisor or porch or Angie's list mm-hmm. or something. He's going to say, well, I'm going to call a plumber. And I know a plumber, right? And, and even if he doesn't know a plumber, he's going to look for a plumber. And so that is so powerful that it's very difficult to, to intercept that work. Now, if it's hard to intercept it when your sink is leaking, <laughs> it's hard for these companies to come in there and intercept that and send their own people out. It's really hard to do with inspections mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, people are going to call a home inspector and they're going to look for a local one. I mean, this is why I'm against 800 numbers. Oh yeah. So, I don't like 800 numbers. I want the exchange that shows people I'm here, you know, in my inspection business, when I ran it successfully for five and a half years, I probably spent more time and effort marketing to my existing clients than, um, than any other inspection company. Every inspection I did, I made sure they had our now book, my faces on it, you know, customized material. I would ask at every inspection, you know, I'm glad you're happy with the inspection. Do, do you know anybody? who's buying a house who might need me. Well, my daughter's thinking about buying one in, in six months. I said, take this, take that, you know, I'll send you some more stuff. How about a coworker, anything like that? If you can get, you know, an additional inspection out of every, on average, out of every client that you've done an inspection for, and that's only one, that's one recommendation, right? You've basically, if you can do that every year, and sometimes you'll get 10 out of somebody, right? They'll refer you. But if you can get one out of everyone, you've doubled your inspection business in one year. Well, if you know that, you know, that story about the king and the, and the, the pieces rice. of rice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, by, by, by year two, you've quadrupled it yeah. just by simply getting all your, um, by, by simply deputizing all of your former clients into being um, a mouthpiece for you and to re- recommend you. And to do that, you know, to, to make them all salesmen, those salesmen need products. And those products are likely printed products. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people like to say, well, you know, Print's dead. I'm do everything digitally now. Nah, you know, I I would produce printed products. I produce, you know, we we produce a lot of books. We sell millions of them because books go on shelves in America. Try to get an American to throw a book in the garbage. It almost yeah, it's almost impossible. Their hand won't do it. Right. I think it's really important in our industry that we keep working on our existing client base and working it. Hard. Yeah. So I think um, my takeaway from what you just said there is we need to make sure that we are taking over our local market because yeah. so someone else does yeah. it. Well, so as a good example, uh, my parents need their lawn mowed regularly. Finding somebody to mow a lawn is near impossible nowadays. My wow. brother and I called every landscaper that we could possibly find, every kid down the street, everybody we knew. I ended up having to go to an app that it's called Plows and Mows, and I, I had to order one online. So my market forced me to get an intermediary. Yeah. We don't want to do that. We want to hold on to our markets, right? I, w- I did an inspection one time for a couple. And a couple of days later, I saw them in a grocery store, you know, and I was coming one way down the aisle and they were coming the other. I just done an inspection from a couple of days ago. 
and they had this funny expression on their faces. They're looking at me real weird, like I'm like, what's going on, you know? And they came up to me and said, we know you from somewhere. We just can't think about where we know you from. I said, I just did your inspection two days ago. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, what's up, you know? So I realized right then, if, if my own clients can't remember me two days mm-hmm. later, it's really my duty to get them books and printed marketing material and brochures and everything and pound them with stuff so that that sticks to their bookshelf so that a year from now when they want to recommend me um they can say you know what i can't remember his name so i'm in a grocery store a couple days later after he did my inspection did a good inspection but i have his book it's on my shelf let me go home and get it for you and give it to you so uh and always be asking your clients if they need more material to pass out for you there's nothing like getting printed material from somebody you know and their recommendation. Mm-hmm. We have to hold on to our market so that big companies don't come in and take yeah. it all. Same with restaurants, right? If we keep buying uh, from McDonald's, that's all we're going to have in 10 years. Right? Yeah, and I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of McDonald's. I do like their that's coffee, it. though. I like the coffee. That's it. That's, that all, that's what it stops, though. <laughs> I try not to eat you know, big franchises for a reason, but it has nothing to do with... Um, the quality of our food too. It's just that we're, that's all we're going to have. You know, we're just going to have, thank God it's Fridays everywhere and that'll be it. We'll, yeah. we'll be done. Oh, McDonald's, Burger King, thank God. Thank goodness it's Friday, whatever, TGIF, and that's it. We don't want that. So those independent restaurateurs are just some, simply like our independent home inspectors. We should make sure that we're holding on to our client base with two yeah. hands. And I, and I kind of agree with that because I don't think companies like Inspectify management companies are going to come in and take over our industry because I've never seen a more competitive business than home inspections. For every agent, every person, every website, there's 50 others in any any given market that are fighting tooth and nail to get that business. It's I, I have to disagree. Okay. So um, I think there's a lot of inspectors. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you drop me in a parachute, let's say you blindfolded me and put me in a plane and gave me a parachute and flew me somewhere and dropped me out of a parachute and I had to pull a cord and I landed in that time. Mm-hmm. In 30 days, I'll have all the business I want. <laughs> I'll just take everything away. And you could have 1,000 inspectors in that town. 994 of them are going to be not going to make it. I'm going to take all their work from them. And a few of them, I'm going to take half their work. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have all the work I want inside 30 days, maybe as quick as three weeks. Mm-hmm. I just have programs and systems. I systemize all my marketing. I don't do any relationship marketing. I never did. I certainly didn't get 30,000 inspectors by running around like a fool with a bowl of chocolates and putting them at every home inspector office and shaking hands and smiling and trying to get home inspectors to join in and actually because they like me. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who the president of McDonald's is or if he's a nice personality or not. I just don't believe in relationship marketing and that has served me well. Relationship marketing works. That's the problem, but it, it caps mm-hmm. you. You can't get so far with it. Eventually you have to go to systemized marketing and that's what I'm, or what internet is really good at doing for inspectors. And that allows you to, the sky's the limit. Once you start systemizing your marketing in the same way that everything else in your life is somewhat systemized, you can do really, really well, and no one can stop you. No competitor out there. There could be a thousand competitors. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like having an automatic weapon. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fight. You said fighting tooth and nail. <laughs> Let them come with their teeth and their nails, and they're just going to get slaughtered. You can't compete with that. 
So let's let's talk to that point then. It, it sounds like maybe we as home inspectors aren't holding on to our local markets very well, and then maybe Inspectify and companies like that, because they are going to come in with automatic weapons. They can market. Yeah. They have a bigger budget. They can market harder. They have teams of people. They don't have a bigger budget. I mean, they have a bigger budget overall, but yeah. not per market. Right. I mean, not per not per market. I mean. You, you know, you and your little town or wherever you are, and your piece of your your action. I mean, there's you know nobody that has to spend a lot of money to have that presence everywhere. It would be mm-hmm. just billions of unfathomable amount of money to do it. So you can hold, you know, look at your market share, draw your lines, and say, "This is what I want. I'm going to take all of this market right now." You know, and and you can. I just don't find that I find there's a lot of inspectors. I just don't find the competition to be fierce. You're not in the same market as Kevin Maxwell, though. (laughs) (laughs) I love that guy. I'm trying to get him on the show. Are you in the same market as him? Oh, yeah. No, I remember when he started. Yeah. Yeah, Hey, hey, Kevin, I know you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) And he and on top of that, he has a nice personality. You know, he's a good guy. I love Kevin. Yeah. So he has has the relationship marketing going too for him, which is that's not to say it doesn't work. It's just that, you know, you can't rely on it solely forever. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, I don't know. I know there's a lot of inspectors that go in, but there's a lot of inspectors that go out. I mean, if you watch the Internachi stats, I mean, there's like thousands that go into this business and thousands that go out. I mean, a lot of them go out of business before they yeah. go in. They don't even order. They don't even get their business cards ordered. They're out of it. You know, they said, you know, so. Yeah. Um, the House of Horrors probably dissuades or. Uh, or our online courses probably dissuade more more inspectors from going into business than anybody because they you know they join in or they, they you know they they struggle through the first two or three courses and they're like oh wow I have to know a lot about a lot and they leave they're gone uh, we you know we can see it on on our computer screen people going into business you know and then just fading real quickly when they realize how much they have to do and how much they have to know. Yeah. But that's not a competitor that I'm worried about or someone who's just peddling around or someone who doesn't do any marketing, has no business sense, won't read any of my books. I mean, that guy's going to get crushed. He, sure, he'll steal a deal now and then, right? He has some realtor who's married to his sister or something like that, and he can get a job now and then. But they're not going to be much of a problem. Look, there's a lot of people who know how to cook, right? cook right spaghetti and meatballs or whatever you want to do but there aren't that many uh, great italian restaurants it's different there's a difference between having a skill set and running a business in that industry mm-hmm. and that's one of the problems that is what our industry is guilty of it's full of home inspectors not businessmen who are in the inspection business and so that's bad for our industry but it's also good for the businessmen who, who are serious because they, you know, their competition is just so weak. Mm-hmm. So uh, that leads me to just one last question that I have for you. So I remember years ago, it go, and it's not all about data and everything about the quote unquote takeover of our industry, but going back to the data point and going back to Porch, um, years ago when Porch first bought ISN, you bought shares in Porch and then you eventually gave it to the CMI board. No, is, that, is that how it happened? So they were given to me. They were know. given to you. Do you still have them, or? Mm-hmm. Oh, so okay. I think it's probably good. Uh, probably good move. I mean, you know, I mean, nobody just gives you something <laughs> yeah. out of the blue. I think you know, Porch was trying to you know make sure that I didn't come out against them too hard. Maybe they thought that would help. I don't know. Okay. I mean, as you can tell from this interview and anything else I've posted, I mean, I don't pull any punches with anybody. I tell you, yeah. if you like, you know, I mean, it makes no difference to me, but. 
I, I always just immediately, you know, um, get rid of any conflict of interest I have. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't take advertising. Um, I mean, there's people have offered to pay just for me to wear a hat for a year. I mean, it would have probably <laughs> like they've offered me a yeah. <laughs> you'd be a tech. You'd be a model. Money, Nick. money to buy a small house just to wear a hat at every everywhere I go within the industry. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of money, right? Because I think you know, you know, but as you can see, I don't have any no advertising. Um, yeah. So I try to get rid of the conflict of interest and try not to get myself into any of them. It's very tempting, you know, and it's always opportunity and everybody keeps offering it. I mean, everybody offers internationally millions of dollars. Yeah. There's so many ways we could have monetized this thing. It's ridiculous. And um, we haven't yet. Uh, you know, I guess you all should start worrying if you see a banner ad go up on internationally. <laughs> You can say, well, they, they finally sold out or they started to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Started down that road, but um, it won't be in my yeah, life. Yeah, and I believe you 100% on that. I've yeah. been part of Internashi for many years, and I, I totally believe you on that. And you've talked before, too, about even using the, the political system. If everything, anything really got bad, you said legislation is what you brought up. You know, I've, I've been able to change all the legislation I wanted the way I wanted it almost everywhere. So I guess I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not that I'm a really great lobbyist. The lobbyist, the lobbying isn't very hard. It's not very difficult. I mean, you make your case to the right people and uh, that's it. I mean, maybe it's also easier now that Internachi is the only trade association left in the industry. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I mean, nobody really writes legislation anymore unless they call me. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no legislators out there, you know, creating some crazy legislation that that don't call me first. And if they do, they, I call them and they, they call me right back. I mean, so internet is so, so dominant that, you know, we have this a big advantage now that there's only one trade association left that we have a unified voice and a lot of, a lot of the percentage of the industry in mm -hmm. one place. And so no, we don't have to worry about that. I don't think anymore. I mean, every now and then we get something crazy, but I'm able to fix it. As you can see on the message board, I say, what do you guys want? And I go back and I get the legislators to fix it. It takes a little time, but it's not, not that bad. In a couple areas I've had to sue. So I sued the governor of Kentucky, uh, I believe recently, well, two years ago for trying to make um, inspectors buy a, I think it was a million dollar insurance policy to do a radon test. Oh, wow. And so I sued the governor uh, for enacting that bill and they reversed it. Well, <laughs> they don't need, you know. but I, you know, I, I called first and asked them to change it and they didn't change it. So I said, um, what do you want me to do? You know, I, I can't have, I can't have inspectors going out and trying to buy an, a million dollar policy just to do one lousy $150 radon test. It can't be done, you know? And it, you know, the argument was it was going to hurt the consumer because you're not going to get anybody to do these radon tests. And radon kills people. So, I mean, I had a great argument and I had a great lawyer. So we won. I think I've sued probably three sitting governors oh, wow. over bad legislation, won all of them. I mean, most of the time, the lawsuit don't, doesn't have to even be filed. I Last couple of lawsuits I got against builders, they didn't, I didn't even file them. I just generated the lawsuit. Our lawyers sent them the lawsuit, said, we're going to file this. And I got what I wanted real quick, right? So, um, yeah. I mean, the only really battle that I really had a long time with was EBPHI still hanging in there. I think they, you know, they're coming along. Um, ASHI, of course, loves to spend all its members' money suing me. They lost, I think it's now around nine times in a oh, row. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I beat them again recently, which is nice. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, Floyd Mayweather, I guess, you know. With them. 
But there aren't many of them left, you know? I mean, I don't think there's any Ashi members left. There's a few, but not many. Um, so I think the industry is much better than it was 10 years ago. I mean, Ashi still had a couple thousand members 10 years ago. I don't know what they're down to now, but I've never even seen, I've never even run into any of them. And so now that we're all just unified under one family, I guess you could call it, it's much easier in terms of legislation to get things done because, you know, we have one voice. And when I can't get it done, you know, a little threat helps. And a little politics sometimes helps remind remind the governor that, you know, people aren't going to get weight on tests if you do this and they're going to die of lung cancer. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. So, um, you know, lobbying is just a lot of convincing the right people to see it your mm -hmm. way. And I've been pretty successful because I haven't spent any money on it, really. I mean, I don't think I've spent, I don't think I've given out $10,000 in donations in my lifetime. You know, I've got all this legislation to go our way just based on strong argument. Yeah. So I guess that's pretty reassuring to me as a home inspector to know, okay, listen, if things get too far, if we really do become coal miners, that at the very least you can, you can even handle it at that level. Yeah. If I had to pass legislation that prohibits inspectors from releasing data, which would kill everybody who's gathering yeah. data, right? Yeah. It would hurt them pretty bad. I mean, I probably could get it done. We're definitely in a, uh, although we're in an anti-regulation sort of mode right now because, you know, central planning and regulation stuff, that just doesn't work. Everybody knows that now. Um, we're still in a privacy um, era where privacy matters. And I think um, as more and more people lose their privacy, it's easier and easier for me to make an argument that we need some legislation to protect consumer privacy. Furthermore, politicians love it, right? So politicians love to pass legislation that helps the consumer and doesn't cost the state any money. So sure, you know, building a bridge is one thing that politicians can get behind, but that still costs them a lot of money. But passing legislation saying that, that, that a consumer's um, personal data and information about their, themselves and their house and their children and everything can't pass through an inspector to someone else everything they see and everything they all the information they gather has to be remain private within that home inspector's uh domain just probably legislation i could pass pretty easily if i had to i don't feel we're at that point yet no because i don't see that these companies like um amfam or porch or anything are doing anything terribly wrong it's opt in at the moment i don't think it's terribly wrong i personally anyways how should i say this I feel like they shouldn't have their fingers as much as they do in our industry, but what they're doing is not wrong. I don't like um, how some of HomeGage's stuff has happened recently. Really? Personally, yeah. I don't I don't like the whole, hey, do you want insurance as you're trying to download your well, report? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What is so terrible about that? Let's say I'm a consumer. I get the inspection report, and you know, you know I'm going to have to buy insurance for this house. I mean, mm -hmm. I just have the house, and I have to buy insurance for it. What is so wrong with the um with one of the largest insurance companies, an honorable insurance company, I might add. And as far as I can tell, AmFam, in, in my experience with them, I do a lot of a lot with them. Um, but they're they're a very honorable company. What is so terrible about them asking the your your client, um, would you um, like a a quote on home insurance on property insurance now that you bought a home? What is so so horrible about that? Offering someone 
something they probably they very well need at this moment. You're offering the right product at the right time from someone who can provide that product at the right time and potentially at a discount. Why wouldn't you want that? So I guess it comes down to, for me, as a business person, I picture myself buying a McDonald's and I'm, I own a McDonald's franchise. Mm-hmm. The owner of that building, instead of selling antacid, after you finish your, your Big Mac, you're going to need antacid. So yeah, that's something the consumer is going to need. But instead, he stands off to the side and before you can pull up to the window, hey, do you want the antacid before you buy this from the guy who's renting the building? So then they're offered something from them. I want to sell antacid at my window. I want to I want to have that income. So from my perspective, I'd like to be able to say, I want to offer that. And I want to regulate how I offer that. I get what they're doing. I'm not saying it's horribly wrong. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is I don't make that much off the cheeseburger that I sold. And acid has a higher profit margin, let's say. That ho- that homeowner's insurance has a higher profit margin. The data that we have, I read a statistic one time, it's worth like $18.32. But you know what? So so is a hammer. If you listen to Warren Buffett and stuff, I think he owns Geico or something. There's, it's often that those policies are like, their payouts are... 101 percent so you've been to a casino right where it says the payout on this machine yeah, i don't is... gamble no okay well uh, in most states they require you to say say what the payout is on a slot machine or something it has to be a certain amount right you have to like for every dollar taken they have to pay out mm-hmm. 80 cents or something or 90 cents right um on a side note uh you know there's some casinos that are like 95 percent, 98 you know it's just amazing you know but in the insurance business sometimes it's 101 percent like they're they're, they're so not good at pricing insurance still um, for homes that they often just lose money for a while, you know, or if they're trying to buy a market, they certainly lose money, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot of like this big, these big piles of money that they're making by offering insurance, but we have to know that when an insurance company buys <laughs> yeah. reporting, a reporting software company that we're going to get this right and i'm not saying that what they did was wrong or unexpected re- in reality though but i go back to that our data is worth 18 dollars and 20 some odd cents if i remember right i have to look it back it's under 20 dollars. but it now is. that's kind of like saying a hammer costs 18 dollars. but now there's only one hammer producer in the entire country so instead of getting what we should for the hammer because you need that to build the house and then everybody comes and says, your hammer's only worth $18.20. Yeah, but I'm the only one who makes them. Home inspectors, we're the only ones who make this data. You, right. you, get, a, you get a good brokerage. Let's say they do 200 deals that year. Oh, my goodness. We can get so much data for them. I mean, for some home inspection companies, that's just a semi-good month. You know, <laughs> It's like we produce way more data than any real estate agent in the country. Did you ever do any deals with like the um, alarm system companies, Frank or Nathan or whatever all these ones? So are? interestingly enough, I have not, but I do think there is a way that we could bring the money to the inspector instead of these other companies. Yeah, so I mean, people were getting inspectors were getting paid about fifteen bucks for that lead. Yeah, that's not enough. Right. It turns out that's the most profitable thing out of everything. 
you know, porch hanging your TV, those leads aren't worth really, they're, they're worth under a dollar. Mm -hmm. But the alarm system companies, those are worth a lot. Those are the worst, the, the most. So I also wondered why an alarm company didn't just come in and buy one of these software companies. Yeah. You know, it's a good question. And give more money to the inspectors so they're not digging coal to get a couple of bucks from the company store. Uh, we're, well, I'll, I'll tell you, we're actually working on something to make the data more profitable for the inspector and not for a big corporation. Great. And I think, I think that's really the key. Yeah, and then, and people who are already trading their data, their customers' data for products or services, certainly can't complain about what you're doing, right? They're already doing it, right? So if they can make make more money at it, um, they should. Right? Yeah. And I think that's it. Taking control, so kicking the guy out of my takeout line at McDonald's selling antacid before they come to the window and saying, "Nope, I'm taking that antacid and I'm selling it at my own window, mm -hmm. and I'm going to make the the profit off of that." And you would, and they would get software that works a lot faster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, hit the nail on the head. I mean, in in the end, it's all about you know because everybody was asking me about marketing and stuff like that. In the end, you you know you you definitely have to have a great product. You have a great product, so I think you have an advantage. You know what I mean? In the end, if your product's really good, it's just so much easier. You know, and it's almost impossible without it. You could market to the cows come home. Um, I know a lot of people could criticize the internet early on. It's just, a, you know, just a marketing machine, tricking inspectors into giving them money and all that stuff. But, you know, in the end, we ended up with great products and services mm -hmm. for inspectors. And if you do the same, I think you'll, 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 you'll win as well with your software. And I like this idea, whatever you got coming up though, maybe, um, you know, I could, I could probably predict what it's going to be where, you know, uh, people who wish to purchase the data bid against it, bid for it. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. It's actually an interesting yeah. idea. I think you, I think you'd love that idea. It seems like yeah, right up like your alley. So basically, you're gathering data, but you know, it's only it, in the same way that you know. You remember how you have to bid on like uh, I think it's, uh, you know, for for contractor leads and this and that stuff like that. I mean, putting things up for bid makes sense because you get you allow market forces to decide what the price is, and then you know you're getting a fair price, yeah. right? There's an element of it that's like that. Everybody's getting the right thing. The free market is completely free, right? The seller's getting the maximum they can get, and the the buyer is getting what they're willing to pay for it. Nobody's getting tricked. Yeah, that's not that's not the whole kit and caboodle of it. There's an element of that in there, but yeah, it's definitely going to be going to be pretty awesome. I mean, I've always told inspectors they they could probably you know put some ads on the back of their reports, and nobody's going to come. Yeah, that's sort of a I guess a, a mini version of using the products and services that are out there in this world that your client might need, right? Mm -hmm. On the back of it. Well, you take a lawnmower, a landscaper ad, right? I mean, that might be a, a great place to put it. I mean, I, I recently bought a rental and, you know, my door is full of all kind of cleaning companies and landscaping companies. They're just stuffing, you know, things on my door to try to get mm -hmm. me to call window cleaners and everything, right? So you can see that there is, uh, it makes sense, right? If people are willing to put those at the door of that house after I bought it, it must be because some people call mm -hmm. them. And some people call them because they need them. In fact, I called one of them. <laughs> so I called the window cleaner. I'm not going up two stores washing my windows. So, you know, that might be a, a sort of um, something that could be done by your software company that that really um, would provide some second stream of income 
for inspectors and they could use yeah. it. Yeah. And however the uh, our our little secret plan here is going to pan out. That's really what it comes down to is a home inspection is a dead end product. We provide it and that's it. It's not like we go in and we say, okay, now every year, I mean, that would be great, but that's a really hard product to sell, annual maintenance right. inspections. So really we do a home inspection, that's it. We try to get a yeah. referral, that's it. How do we get residual income from that one inspection? How do we make right. another $350 six months later? How do we make another $50? Right. Homeowner's insurance is a residual product, right? They just keep Exactly. I mean, is there how many insurance policy? Almost yep. never. And is, companies like Porch do really well with their close rates on selling homeowners insurance. Yeah. They have a very high close rate. But now you sold that data to them. You sold that hammer. We're the only one that can have make that hammer to them. And they built a million dollar house. Why aren't we charging more for the hammer? Yeah. Over. So the data, it's important. To, to our business and it's the way that we can make residual income but i think we should save that for another podcast i mean this has been a fantastic podcast we're because we're going to get opposition within the you're going to get opposition i don't i don't, I don't oh yeah so, i don't have software to sell but you're going to get re, receive opposition within the industry right? oh yeah totally but i, I want to do like you i want to do what's best for home inspectors you know if we're if we're making 80 grand a year and killing ourselves, running a business, not charging enough for a home inspection. I mean, it's a good living, but it's not, it's not going to push you forward in a business. How can I, how can I make that easier for home inspectors to have a business on top of just making, you know, their living? There are two very sad things about our industry. I mean, the first is that people only buy homes once every, whatever, seven, 10 years or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's not like when I do a contracting job, you know, it's not even a month later they're calling me for the next thing they want mm -hmm. done. Yeah. You know? That's not true in home inspections, mm -hmm. I would say. The other sad thing is that with no extra brains, training, education, wisdom, you know, street savvy or anything, real estate agents get to our shared client just ahead of mm -hmm. us. Dumb luck. Yeah. So it's just surely dumb luck that some real estate agent that, um, our guys are carrying bowls of dark chocolate over to their office to try to smile in for them or whatever, trying to kiss their butt to try to get some work out of them. It's not that an agent has done anything brilliant. All that agent did was they got to our shared client just a split second before we did. Mm -hmm. So they get to recommend us. If we could just get to the client a split second before the real estate agents, then we're going to be eating a lot of dark chocolate. Is that because real estate agents are going to come to us? For those leads and is that the irep idea yeah yeah i'm 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 really looking forward to see how that turns out too nick i'm yeah, when i first see. saw that i'm excited i'm like oh man because and it nar you know it's kind of like okay well that's a different nobody podcast likes anyway. <laughs> yeah. nobody likes more anyway i was a member for years you know so yeah we'll see what happens you know what i mean but i think that 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 second um you know problem that we have in our industry has to be solved you know, it's not our fault that someone just got to our client just ahead of us. And now we have to go around and market to those real estate agents because they know who is about to get it, an inspection just before we mm -hmm. do. Um, that's just terrible bad luck that our industry is like that. Yeah. Um, and we have to fix that. And if we fix that and reverse that, everything changes for See, us. See, and going back to our opening discussion, that's why I like Internashi, quote unquote, taking over the industry. Because that's what that's what it does for us. It does good things. You guys have us in mind. We're your shareholders that you're helping. 
you know, we're trying. Yeah. So. My brother does a lot of it. I mean, that I think getting that U.S. Department of Education accreditation, the same as Harvard and Yale have. In fact, we have the same as Harvard. Yale doesn't even have the same accreditation we do from the federal government because they only have regional. So if Yale taught a, 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 a law class in Texas, it would not be a college course. They don't. They only have regional New England. So we actually have, you know, a, a higher accreditation than Yale. <laughs> that's um, awesome. And I think, although that's, you know, oh, some people say, oh, that's pretty good. It means, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think there's a lot of opportunity that's going to come. I think we're going to be able to push our industry up, right up smack with the level of architects and engineers with that. Because if we can get this degree thing done and we end up with actual college degrees in inspections, that would probably have to go back and change all the licensing, I would say, even. Because right now, states are sort of telling you what you have to do to become a licensed home inspector. Well, once there's a degree in it, it'll become like lawyers, right? You have to get a degree mm-hmm. in law, and then you have to pass the bar. It'll be much better in every state. And then we can sort of, you know, international sort of has some, it's good because it, it, it's accepted almost everywhere, but it would be pretty neat if there we got to a point where a degreed home inspector can operate throughout the country because of that degree. We wouldn't have to worry about moving. That'll put us way past a licensed real estate agent who got their license in two weeks. <laughs> right? No, totally. If yeah. we do that and get us up with engineers and architects, and we also reverse the uh, the pecking order between us and real estate agents by getting to those clients ahead of them, we're all going to get rich. It's going to be a great, it's going to be a great profession. That's going to be awesome. Well, Nick, I'm looking forward to IREP. I'm looking forward to everything that you have going on. And I, I got to say, this has been one of my favorite episodes. Uh, having both you and Ben on have been fantastic. Thank you for breaking your uh, your no podcast rule and hanging out with us here. You got to thank Ben for that. Ben said I, could, <laughs> I should go on. Well, we, we love having both of you. I don't do, I don't do interviews. Well, so well we, we feel privileged. But uh, thank you again, Nick, for being on, for helping us understand what Internacio plans to do about Uh, the quote-unquote takeover of our industry and we look forward to seeing what happens thank you very much for having me on thank you on behalf of myself ian and the entire itb team thank you for listening to this episode don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can catch our future episodes as well and if you have any feedback please send us an email at info at inspectortoolbelt.com Also, don't forget to check out our brand new app for home inspectors, scheduling and report writing all in one easy to use app. Check it out now at inspectortoolbelt.com.